0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your co-host, Rahul Potty, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? And today, I guess I'm pretty excited about this episode, because it's a new type of episode we haven't done before. Obviously, it's the off-season, so we can't do what we normally do. And as we mentioned in previous episodes, we're going to be going a- up uh, going over like the main pros quarterback prospects coming into this draft and today's man is cj Stroud uh yeah you're- any anything else to add on that or you want to just dive into cj Stroud
1: now let's just dive into it um start off start off by reading the measure yeah I'll, I'll get
0: started talking about his career in college and whether you think highly of cj Stroud or not his career in college was Pretty much impeccable, very very great career. Uh, his first real year as a starter was his redshirt freshman year in 2021, uh, where he played 12 games, had about 72 percent completion percentage, threw for 4,400 yards, uh, 44 touchdowns with six only six interceptions, with a passer rating of 186.6, and he was fourth in Heisman voting this year. Uh, his sophomore year in 2022, he followed that with. Uh, 13 game season where he was about 67% completion percentage, uh 36 uh 188 yards with 41 touchdowns and six interceptions which a pa- with a passer rating of 177.7 and then this year he was third in Heisman voting. Uh both years he won Big 10 player of the year, first team Big 10 in both seasons as well. Uh he was second team all-American in this previous college season and third team in 2021 uh he led the big 10 in yards touchdowns passer rating and basically ever every major quarterback stat uh oddly enough his passer rating career passer rating of 182.4 is like fourth all time in ncaa history so very very impressive and some highlights of his career i'd say there were probably his epic Rose Bowl win over Utah in 2021 and he had a historical game against Georgia in 2022 in that playoff game uh not his two most best performances by any means but those are probably the two most watched performances of his career aside from maybe some of the Michigan games we'll get into all of that later in the episode uh but one drawback of his career which I don't necessarily see as a drawback but it's something that's talked about uh OSU does have a tradition of winning a lot, and he did never win a Big Ten or national championship or anything that a school like OSU would consider in value. Uh, not too important for me, but I do know that is a big harp from OSU fans. Uh, they don't like about him. Uh, but other than yeah. that, not much more to say about his career. Very, very impressive career for sure.
1: Yeah, Um. I don't really care about the final score, but the performances in some of those games are important for me. Um, so, yeah, let's let's actually dive in right into those performances. Um, and we'll start by starting from 2021 Week 1, um, his first game against Minnesota. So what do you want to say about his first game?
0: Uh, I'd say this first game, it was probably, it is his first ever game as a collegiate starter, as a redshirt freshman. So I wasn't expecting a whole lot. Uh, but at the same time, OSU is a very, very talented team. And Minnesota, I mean, at in this year, from what I remember and my understanding of the team was not the best. Uh, to me, he came out not looking the sharpest, but it was still promising. Uh, a pro- it, it made him look promising moving forward. He didn't have a great command of the offense. His accuracy wasn't the best this game. And from my knowledge, I feel like he wasn't the best under pressure in this one either. Uh, But nonetheless, he still pulled through. He still put up uh, a good second half. And yeah, that's my my main thoughts on him there. What about you, PD?
1: Yeah, so this game started off pretty rough. Um, He was just not particularly comfortable, in my opinion. In the first half, um, one great throw, um, which Garrett Wilson dropped, but... Um, other than that, like legitimately, like one of, I, I, so I do the charting stuff, right? So one of his first 12 passes I had as perfectly thrown, which is a pretty disastrous number, especially when you think about uh, his reputation as, as like the super accurate quarterback. Um, so not really what I was expecting oh, yeah. initially, but they did open it up a lot in the second half. Uh, his receiver started to get wide open. And, um, yeah, the offense really started humming. Um, A few passes where the uh, Buckeyes got explosive gains, 56 yards, 70 yards, 61 yards. Um, I believe all of those were touchdowns. And, um, yeah, a couple of them were reasonably impressive throws. One of them, a really nice throw to Garrett Wilson. We just hit him on the money uh, in stride for that 56-yard touchdown. So, um, some flashes there, but – yeah, it definitely looked like there were things to work on at that point.
0: Yeah, I completely agree about that one. And moving on to the following week, uh, I remember this game last season was one of the biggest early game season uh, games in the season. Oregon, obviously being one of the best teams in the Pac twelve, I think they didn't end up having as good of a season as they wanted, but still very prominent team at the time and OSU obviously being a powerhouse, I remember this was a huge early test for CJ Stroud. And to me, it was not, it was an improvement for sure from his first start ever, but definitely not as much as I would have wanted. Uh, his counting numbers were good because he was good for a lot of this game, in my opinion. Uh, except for the fourth quarter, uh, It wasn't a whole lot of mistakes, but one mistake that was very clear and ultimately ended up costing the game was that interception he threw. And honestly, I have no clue what that was. I think he might have been trying to hit Olave down the sideline, but he overthrew him incredibly, and it was one of the easiest interceptions I've ever seen for the Oregon defender, and that really cost them. Uh, and I thought that was a pretty big problem because in this game, he didn't look that bad the rest of it. For a freshman in his second-ever start against a high-ranked team, I would have taken that except for that last bit, and it, it's still something promising, which he built upon later upon his collegiate career, but still not at the point where I would have called him a high-level NFL prospect yet.
1: Yeah, um, this game was pretty, like, there's a narrative um, going around for Stroud that he's, you know, poor under pressure and, you know, extremely good when in structure. That was very apparent in this game. Um, So I have my stat where it tracks about something like points uh, based on how far you're pushing the ball down the field, making adjustments for accuracy and windows and um, whether you take sacks and throw interceptions and such, so when he wasn't wasn't under pressure, that number was at a point four six points per play. Um, when you go to the numbers under pressure, though, um, it drops to a pretty disastrous number, um, and uh, at negative point four one six. So like, he's actually hurting his team when he's under pressure, which is which is pretty pretty rough when. when you have this many plays under pressure. Like, it may not seem like a lot, but nine plays is enough to do a lot of damage, and that interception did come under pressure. Um, And he only made a couple of positive plays the entire day under pressure. So, um, yeah, kind of a rough one for me. Um, Still a lot of things to work on, but I did think that he looked more comfortable and um, wasn't really, you know, like... Like, he wasn't really unsettled in the pocket i should say yeah
0: yeah for sure and this next week against tulsa i think this was probably one of his last games i feel like he played before he kind of came into his own as a quarterback at osu uh but this tulsa game didn't particularly move me in either direction primarily because ohio state is just that much better than a school like tulsa where uh He didn't really have much of a factor in the outcome of the game, if that makes sense. To me, this was kind of just a run-in-the-mill routine game for him. He didn't have very many plays that highly impressed me. Uh, However, he didn't really do anything wrong necessarily. I think he looked a lot more comfortable in this game. I think his accuracy was definitely a lot more improved in this game, closer to what we see of... CJ Stroud, as of recently, however, still nothing highly impressive in this one. I think he just kind of looked like a run in the mall plug and play college quarterback in this one, which I guess for a guy of his caliber is not a good performance. But nothing, no glaring mistakes here for me.
1: Um, I I have a, a minor disagreement there. Um, so what you were talking about with the accuracy, so. My perfect pass rate chart, he was at 43% against Oregon, and that jumped all the way up to 50%. So definitely an improvement there. But I wanted to uh, disagree with um, no mis- the no mistakes part because I did think that um, the one play where he was trying to throw it to rec- Ruckert um, and that resulted mm-hmm. in an interception, I thought that was, that was his fault. Um, and then also... Um, he had a sack fumble later in the game that I thought was his fault. um. But there were signs of um, generating explosive plays and stuff. But no signature tight window throws, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to point those two things out there.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I, I completely forgot about that interception play in that game. And you are right, right about the fumble sack. I had that in mind, but... You're, yeah, you're just right about that one. And as I said in the previous matchup, this week, uh, the following week against Rutgers is where I think he finally started to really come on his own. And I think this matchup against, uh, I guess, a Big Ten school, that, which is a school that Ohio State's very familiar with. I'm sure CJ Stroud had a much better game plan going into this one. And he 100% executed. I mean, if you just looked at the ca- counting stats, he looked much better in that. And to me, I thought I saw a lot more of his accuracy. I thought I saw a lot more of those signature high-level plays that PD was talking about in terms of accuracy, where he was really fitting them into tight windows here and there. He didn't really have to do much of it, to be fair, because he had three first-round pick receivers uh, in this draft or in this team and Rutgers was very poor, especially in the DB uh, vicinity in this one or uh, in this season. So I think CJ Stroud had all day and very, very open receivers to throw through in this one, but nonetheless, he still did the job. I just don't think this Rutgers game necessarily tested him because his downsides are definitely when pressures in his face, when he's rushed to make a decision and in this game, he wasn't really tested on that, but we did see when CJ Stroud gets his time, when he's in the pocket, he can just pick apart defenses, and that's what he did in this one.
1: Yeah, only two pressured snaps in total in this game, so you are right about that. Um, yeah, he played pretty fantastic in this game, in my opinion. I only had him with one negative graded play, and it was only because it was, like, slightly, you know, off target for Jax, but then Jigbo, where he didn't give him a chance to catch the ball. Um he did have a couple of signature um, plays here, I thought. Uh, he had a beautiful tight window throw to Jackson Smith and Jigpa um, deep down the right sideline for 17 yards in the third quarter. I thought that was a really nice play. Um, and then uh, he did hit uh, Chris Olave um, in, in the second quarter on the first play of their fourth drive, I believe it is. Um, yeah, and yeah, that, that was a nice play, I thought. Um, for a 19 yard game, he was wide open, but he hit him like on the money. Um, and yeah, I mean, they gave CJ Stroud, um, time to operate. Um, and yeah, also, um, forgot to mention one thing. So, um, CJ Stroud, um, missed the Akron game because he was dealing with a shoulder injury. They, he was listed as an only emergency QB. And yeah, this is the first game that he was playing after that shoulder injury, So I think it is possible that um, the week off really helped him heal up. And that is one of the reasons for the jump in play um, that we saw. So a thing to keep in mind there.
0: Yeah, I like that you brought that up because in between that Tulsa game and this Redners game and the following games that we're about to talk about, we do see quite a jump in production from CJ Stroud towards the rest of that season those first three weeks he really wasn't making national headlines and that is where he kind of turned the page and became like a big name and a Heisman candidate so that shoulder injury is definitely something that could have been holding him back early on uh and speaking of those sorts of games he followed that Rutgers game with a home game against Maryland and this is once again a very very uh easy situation for him. Maryland being a Big Ten team, Ohio State knows a lot about, and they're coming to Columbus for him to play. Uh, We knew the outcome of this, and CJ Stroud certainly came out to perform. This was, once again, he was incredible in this one for me. Uh, And it was very similar to that Rutgers game where the Ohio State receivers were just clearly a step ahead of that entire Maryland defense. And honestly, this little stretch of uh, football was my favorite C.J. Stroud film to watch because it was just so nice to see him sit back in the pocket and just pick apart defenses one by one and it wasn't a whole lot of pinpoint accuracy throws like I said with that Rutgers game because his receivers were very open but I felt he was still delivering it to them in stride getting them a lot of yak yardage in this one uh, just getting the ball to his playmakers and with really good accuracy as well. So I thought this was another really good C.J. Stroud performance. Not many downsides for me here.
1: Yeah, this one was pretty spectacular for me as well. Um, so I've been mentioning the accuracy percentage a little bit. Um, the last game uh, before this Maryland game, it was at 68%. This one at 62.5%. So you can see this clear rise after he came back from the shoulder injury. Um, this one, no negative, negatively graded plays for me. And only five plays that weren't positive. So consistently just picking up chunk yardage uh, time and time again. Uh, fantastic performance from the OSU offense overall. Um, and he still – and he suffered a couple of drops too. So the stat line could have been even better. Um, the most notable one I thought was his best throw of the game. Um, with about eight-ish minutes, I believe it was, uh, left in the third quarter, he hit Chris Olave in a super tight window. Um deep down the right sideline. So um I thought it could have been even better for CJ Stroud, um, considering that his best throw was dropped. Um or, or better for the high State offense, I guess it is, because um yeah. I still give him give him credit for that play. But yeah, his his points per play number comes out to about 0.785, which is like a monster number, like two times as much as some of these quarterbacks have for an overall season. So A giant, giant impact game for Stroud um, and fantastic performance from the offense overall.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I've got to say, he follows that game up with another very, very similar high impact performance against Indiana, where he comes in in this one once again. I think, and I think this is just going to be a common theme amongst a lot of these games, but once again, his Ohio State offense was significantly better than a very bad IU defense this year. And he had a lot of op- open receivers, a lot of open guys, and he 100% delivered. This one, I think, was one of his most accurate performances uh, because he was so good and so efficient early on in the game. I don't even think he finished this game out. I think he got taken out either late in the third or early fourth, something like that. So editor, this was yeah. a, yeah, this was a quick CJ Stroud game where he just came in, balled out, put a team away, and just added another very, very highly impressive game to his resume. Uh very, very accurate once again. Showed a lot of poise in the pocket in this one. The Hoosiers really didn't get after him much. I think he was sacked once in this one, unlike those previous performances. But uh, I don't think I chalked that one as his fault. So in general, once again, very good pocket awareness and really just picked apart another defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was his most accurate performance. Uh, I had a few nitpicks here and there, but definitely mm-hmm. uh, above average accuracy. He was pushing the ball down the field aggressively um, and completing the ball uh, down the field, reasonably at about six, seven and a half completed air yards per attempt. But, um, biggest thing for me in this one was like the, the Indiana defense had like no chance at all against these receivers. Stroud did attempt uh, a few tight window passes, but despite not really hooking up on them that frequently, like, um, he hit one, um, one pass um, down the sideline where, um, he he uh found Chris Olave, or, or not down the sideline. This one, um, this one is uh, through the middle of the field where he hit uh Smith and Jigba, like on the money, um, and that that led to a thirty-two yard gain. So big play there from Stroud. But uh, other than that, like there weren't many um huge tight window passes that he was hitting, and they just like absolutely carved him up. So monster performance from the Indiana offense. And it may seem like we're we're just kind of flying through this but each of these things does matter because the ability to play in a high-end offense is that that's how you win Super Bowls so um don't don't discount this as as evidence it's it's important because um even if you're playing with high-end supporting talent the fact that your team puts that high-end supporting talent around you and you can synergize with it that's that's an yeah that's an important skill to have um and yeah that's how great offenses are built so it's important to talk about
0: Yeah, 100%. I like that you brought that up because I think especially after this 2021 season, I think he shut it up a little bit in 2022, but there was a massive narrative after this season that he's just going to turn out like, quote-unquote, every other Ohio State quarterback because as of recently, this last couple of decades, OSU has been wide receiver university. They've produced a lot of elite talents, and a lot of these OSU guys kind of just have open daylight at all times. And for that reason, they just don't come into the league and succeed. But I think with Stroud, like PD said, it's very important that he's not just a cog in the system, but he was kind of the guy that was making it happen. Because yes, even though he was having open receivers all over the place, OSU was dropping major plays on every team they were playing up against. And it's because downfield Stroud had elite accuracy in this one, even in the middle of the field or short short term, Stroud was just elite in accuracy from the pocket. And that's why this offense was so good in this one. And they kind of continue rolled it r- rolling into that next week. And probably their biggest test of the year so far, aside from maybe the Oregon game, in this Penn State matchup. Uh and I think this was just huge for Ohio State in general. Penn State is always a big matchup, maybe second to, or third to, after Michigan and MSU. And Penn State was really good this year. And after a string of some easy matchups, uh, this was a tougher one for Stroud. And I think in this one, he still came in and balled out, not necessarily as much as the last three weeks, because there was definitely higher level talent. Uh, But he still played very well. To me, what impressed me in this one is he's always uh, had trouble against pressure and dealing with that. And I think Penn State sent him a lot more pressure than he saw pretty much all season. And the fact that he still came out of that uh, not sacked, uh, didn't really make any major mistakes, in my opinion. Uh, I thought that was really impressive to me and something that he wasn't tested on a lot The rest of the season and we saw come into fruition in this one
1: yeah nine plays under pressure in this one and one of his best throws of the game um was a big time touchdown from so they were on the uh what would it be this does i haven't listed the 62 yard line i don't know how to convert but um yeah 38 yard touchdown to olave um that one came under pressure so um yeah i thought this was some signal that he could play under pressure, but nothing too too major. Um, and I thought this game was right in line with how he played for his entire college career. A few uh, passes here and there that got away from him, I only had his accuracy at about 51%, which is below what he normally throws at. But, you know, like, still a very impactful game. Um, I'm not particularly mad about how he played at all.
0: Yeah, and I think that was... Solid performance against a tougher team. Uh, and following that, we saw them face a Nebraska team, which very similar to the teams they played before Penn State wasn't very good, but they did come out to play a good amount against Ohio State and really did make them dig deep to end this game. Uh, I'd say this game was probably the least impressive post that AC joint injury game for me up to this point for cj stroud uh because i don't think that the nebraska defense was very good and i think he kind of played down the competition here his accuracy was not its normal pinpoint self in this game uh he did have a lot of big highlight plays in this one uh especially i think later in the game it was but he did come out looking a little bit sluggish made a good amount of mistakes and you kind of saw what uh, when C.J. Stroud gets flustered, what could potentially happen against not necessarily high-level talent, uh, and that's something that teams will definitely look at. But overall, I think he escaped out of one where it wasn't necessarily his best performance. Uh, maybe one of his worst of the year. Uh, actually, definitely one of his worst of the year, potentially could argue worst. But what's your thoughts on this game, P.D.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Um, His play under pressure, this one, was pretty erratic. Um, Early in the game, he had a really gorgeous pass um, to Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, through the middle of the field under pressure, where he threw it into a tight window and got a 20-yard completion. But we go to the fourth quarter, right? Um, He didn't really do much under pressure. just kind of maintained value, so that was cool. But the fourth quarter, oh, my goodness. So we have this this first play of the fourth quarter where – um, he's pressured so he just kind of moves right to avoid the pressure initially um, doesn't really fully avoid the pressure uh, still gets tackled but it you know, just kind of chucks it up there like 50 yards down the field and it just gets intercepted so I was just like wow where did that come from um, so just watching that was, was a little bit jarring um, then uh, about halfway through the fourth quarter he's getting under pressure and has an intentional grounding penalty which I thought was very avoidable he just kind of threw it out there and it didn't get past the line of scrimmage. So I'm not really sure what went on there. Um, after that, he had a short completion under pressure. Um, kind of did buy time to um, set up a check down on 3rd and 19, but not the most impressive thing to me. Um, but then at the end of the game, this one was pretty alarming to me um, and probably the most um, impactful play of the game. Um, it's There's less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and he's pressured early, um, so he starts. Um, the pr- pressure comes from the interior, right? So um, he kind of rolls left um, initially, and while he's rolling left, he turns back into the defender, and that kind of just allows the defender to strip the ball from him. And that was a particularly, um, particularly jarring play for me to watch because, like that, was was a huge signal of the kind of lack of natural instincts that he had this season. Um, And I was just like, um, yeah, I wasn't impressed by this game at all. He had a few uh, big time throws down the field, which were pretty impressive. But those two plays really kind of stuck out in my mind. And it was like the first time where I was like, oh, okay, I understand where this narrative is coming from. Um, Yeah. what, What were your thoughts on the play under pressure and anything else that you wanted to add?
0: Yeah, that's part of what I was talking about where this was definitely one of the least impressive games for me out of Stroud because to me, a quarterback like him that doesn't necessarily have the athleticism or playmaking ability to just go out and have a a high amount of high yardage plays on the regular because I know we saw it at Ohio State, but that's just not something that's going to happen in the league with someone of his caliber athleticism. He's going to be somebody that's sitting in the pocket, hitting you consistently, and over and over again, you're going to have to have a lot of just nickels and dimes where he just makes the right read and just destroys you consistently down the field. And for a player that's supposed to be that mold, to see him choke so much in a situation where he's it's supposed to be his thing – uh, A quarterback of this prototype should theoretically be able to handle pressure well and just locate the open man and throw it away because he doesn't have the athleticism to maybe run around in the pocket or run around and find somebody or just hope somebody gets open as he tries to make something out of structure. And seeing him do so bad against a team like Nebraska, which, like I said, not a good team – even defensively, I know Nebraska typically does come out with good defenses. I think these past few years, just overall, Nebraska has not been a good team, and I think for Stroud to struggle at something like that, uh, it was definitely, definitely a little bit uh concerning. But I think in other games, he shows that he can handle that, and I think it co- it's coming up in some of the games we're about to talk about here, and even twenty twenty two. So I think moving forward, I think he has cleaned that up a little bit. But watching it for the first time in this game was was definitely interesting to see.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to the Purdue game. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, and this Purdue game is one of those games I was talking about where he kind of dispelled it because Purdue was 100% a huge test coming into this one. Uh, I think Purdue was kind of on fire going into this game. Uh, They had just, I think, beaten a really highly ranked uh, opponent. So Purdue definitely had hopes of coming in and potentially upsetting this Ohio State team. And CJ Stroud really shut that up. I think in this game, he was very, very impressive with his accuracy. Uh, I think this was one of his more accurate games for sure. And he just sliced apart that Purdue uh, defense. And what interested me the most for sure was the fact that this Purdue defense, from what I understand, did have a pretty good front seven, did have a pretty good pass rush. I believe George Carlaftis was on this team and he's been very good even in the league. And CJ Stroud, despite having maybe not a whole lot of pressure in his face, but a lot of talent on that defensive line he was still able to stand in that pocket and still slice and dice a very, very good Purdue defense. And it looked like he had almost worked on something like that because of how poorly he did in the Nebraska game. That exact thing he looked very, very good at in this one. And maybe he necessarily wasn't tested with as many as pressure plays, but I think it was more a result of him just making quicker decisions, getting the ball out of his hands fast before the pressure can even get there. Uh, I was highly impressed with his decision-making in this game. And just overall, this and some of the following games is a huge reason why Stroud has the draft stock he does now.
1: Yeah, um, really really impressive game in this one. So you pointed out the quick decision-making. I agree with that. Um, Under 2.4 seconds, time to make a decision, um, tracked by me this game. Um, And only three plays under pressure. So pretty impressive there um i didn't think it was the most impactful game because when you're getting the ball out of your hand so fast it can only travel so far down the field um Uh but you know like a, a couple of downfield shots um he did attempt um didn't really hit on any of them but again just continually chunking for like 10 yards 10 yards 10 yards that will break a defense um yeah So, yeah, he
0: and like um, I was just saying a second ago, like this, the what you just said is definitely what more of what CJ Stroud will look like in the NFL. Like the huge 75 yard plays to like JSN or Olave that we may have seen this year, they were cool and like definitely a show of his accuracy downfield and arm talent. But it's not something that will happen regularly in the NFL, especially with the teams he's projected to go to. So to me, seeing a game like this was just highly impressive because it was showing, you know, he can do this.
1: Yeah, uh, totally agree there. Um, let's move on to the next game here. Um, this, one, this one is probably my favorite game that I've watched from him, and I honestly think it's the best game of his college career. So why don't you dive into it?
0: Yeah, he was absolutely insane in this one as PD mentioned. 91.4 completion percentage cuz he was 32 of 35. That is insane. I think very few times in my life have I seen a quarterback who's thrown this many times have 90 plus completion percentage. Uh very very crazy. And this was against literally one of the better def- one of the better teams he's faced. Throughout his college careers, I should say, maybe not necessarily the best defense, but one of the better teams he's faced and this MSU team, they were rolling this year, they had a string of wins coming into this team, this game, I think they were ranked like seven in the nation, Ohio State only being a couple of ranks ahead of them. And MSU was supposed to be the team to take down OSU and CJ Stroud came in and shut that up completely. He dinked and dunked and even threw deep passes too in this one and just in every level of the field just absolutely obliterated that Michigan State defense. It was like just watching a team just get absolutely demoralized over and over again. That defense had just no answer for him because he was – and it's this mode that I see – that makes me have faith in him just long-term because if he can just get into that zone of just being able to consistently break down what a defense is doing and hit the right receiver every time, you're not going to be able to stop that. Like that is the most unstoppable way of playing offense in the NFL. And this is what CJ Stroud did this game in a very, very, very high level. Uh, This is a masterclass from the whole team but very, very much led by C.J. Stroud. I don't even think he had to end this game. And he still put up ridiculous numbers, like 400-plus yards and six touchdowns. So highly impressed with him from this one.
1: Yeah, they were at, like, 35 points in the second quarter at some point. So really monstrous performance by them. Uh, 70% accuracy rate, um, and the offensive line did a fantastic job. Uh, He also played well in terms of making decisions uh, on time. had a time to make decisions under two point seven, which is good for a college quarterback. I would say seventy um, percent accuracy rate, monstrous number. Um, and yeah, just uh, oh above 0. .6 in points per play, which is also a monster number. So yeah, really good, really good game from Stroud. Um, I, I do think that pass yeah. blocking in this game was a little bit unrealistic to expect um, in, in like a long term situation, but you know like. I still think it was incredibly impressive. He took advantage of pretty much everything that was there to be had.
0: This was also another game, like we mentioned with some of the earlier ones, where Stroud did have a lot of open receivers, and he did have a lot of time in the pocket. And that's just going to come with being an OSU quarterback in some games. But like we said in other games, he delivered. Like Obviously, you're not going to have ridiculous stats like this if it wasn't the case where he had all the time in the world and he had a lot of open receivers, 90-plus completion percentage is just unrealistic. But these games, like PD said earlier, are very important because it shows that he can do this. And moving on from that game, I'd I'd say this was his biggest game of the year in this season, and Mm. they played the best team by far in this one. They played the best defense. Uh, CJ Stroud had played up to his career in this one and that was this Michigan game and this was also a very 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 highly highly hyped up game Michigan versus Ohio State always is and it's going to be even more hype when Michigan's like number five in the country and Ohio State is also like top five in the country at this point I'm pretty sure so very very highly anticipated matchup and I had a I'd say mixed thoughts in this one for CJ Stroud. I think he came in this game uh, guns blazing, kind of like he was throughout this season. Uh, he was still very, very accurate in this game. Not as accurate in his as his previous few games, but still very, very accurate. Uh, but this was the first time he faced something that even maybe half resembles an NFL defensive line because he did have that year's... Uh, very. I think number one overall pick, or sorry, number two overall pick in Aiden Hutchinson uh, in that defensive line. And man, did he have uh, a great game in this one. And CJ Stroud was sacked four times. And I think second half, that Ohio State team struggled a lot. I think a lot of it was down to CJ Stroud just not being able to handle the pressure as well as he should be able to. And I don't necessarily think his accuracy dropped a whole lot, but he didn't look nearly as comfortable as in the pocket as he does in other games where he's not necessarily pressured. Uh, His footwork looked a little bit off. And overall, just his ball placement just wasn't as good as a result in this game. I think that's why they had so many unsuccessful drives in that second half, and that's why they ended up losing the lead in that second half and ultimately losing the game. And I know in the fourth quarter, he did come back and have a little bit of magic that kind of saved his day statistically uh, and just made the game look a not, not as as bad as it was. But the third quarter, he was not, not the best. And the fourth quarter definitely was not enough to save that performance. Uh, this game didn't have anything that would make me low on CJ Stroud, but it was a very, very big game. Uh, it was for the Big Ten Championship. And the Michigan game is always big, and he didn't perform to his best.
1: Yeah, um, so I have a couple disagreements. So I did think he had some accuracy issues, but I'm willing to overlook them because of how poor the weather was. Um, it was kind of uh, very snowy. Could even see it on film, and um, yeah, it was just like really muggy type of weather. So not going to take too much into it, but forty five percent accuracy rate or perfect pass rate which is pretty rough the important thing for me was um the pressure rate got up to 30 uh, 38 which is a pretty big number and there's this one particular play which i think i sent you actually um in this game where he he's not really under pressure uh when he initially makes his drop back but he kind of just moves to his right unnecessarily this is towards the end of the second quarter um and just chucks up a pass while getting hit um to garrett wilson and i was just Kind of appalled by that pass, and it was just like th- there was there was no chance in hell that that was getting completed, and he just kind of threw it anyway off his back foot. So yeah, an interceptable pass there; it was dropped and it hit the defender right in the breadbasket. So um that was probably one of the worst plays that he had all season. And yeah, again, just just an important like note, like this is how kind of narrative swing and, and stuff like that. If that pass is intercepted, that highlight is played forever and ever so um yeah yeah I, I think that does matter a little bit um there's a few chunk plays here and there in this game but really I was very disappointed by his performance in this game um definitely expected um for him to play better and you mentioned the, the sacks I had two of them on him so I mean he, he definitely like he definitely did not have his best game
0: yeah and I do agree that it's important to mention it was a bit of a snowball in that game. So his accuracy, it is going to be tougher to be as accurate as a guy like C.J. Stroud is. I think games like that definitely do don't favor quarterbacks with the C.J. Stroud type of uh, prototype. So uh, I can see why he struggled a bit, but I think this does tie into the whole theme of what you know you've been saying of him necessarily not being able to handle pressure. And even something I mentioned early on when I was just doing his career recap where a lot of OSU fans weren't fans of him because of how he performed in these big games. And uh, there weren't any big games, I don't think, where he stuck out and really stunk. But there were a lot of situations where he didn't, you know, really live up to the hype of the game and didn't play – to his best in those games, and that's why OSU always came up short during his collegiate career, so definitely something to look at moving forward, uh, but something that definitely dispelled that narrative a little bit is his final game of this season, and it was the Rose Bowl, and my goodness, I, I thought he was incredible in this one, and this was a really, really fun game to watch. I remember watching this game uh, live back last year, And this game was incredible in itself. And so was CJ Stroud. Uh, I think in this one, he got back to his regular self in terms of accuracy. He was absolutely incredible in that regard. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because Utah just isn't familiar with Ohio State. But they did not do a good job at all in limiting the big plays that uh, a lot of these other Big Ten teams were really good at doing. And for this reason, CJ Stry- <coughs> CJ Stroud really lit up the field. He threw for nearly 600 yards, six touchdowns, really, really incredible performance. And yeah, this one really added a lot of hype for him going into his second and final year. And like PD was talking about narratives, kind of quieted down the narrative that was forming from that Michigan game, which was a little bit negative for him. Uh, but he did come up huge in that Utah game. And that's a very, very good way to end off the season for him there.
1: Yeah, this one, pretty impressive for me. Um, only four plays under pressure, so you know what's going to happen if CJ Stroud's not under pressure. But 65% accuracy rate, or perfect pass rate, monster number. Um, right around his career average for production um, in terms of points per, my points per play metric, but that's only basically because um, he does have a dropped interception uh, in the end zone to Jeremy Ruckert. So um, when you think about, like, that play, um, excluding that play, um, and you think about just the one interception, it's it does look a lot better. And, um, yeah, I mean, Utah doesn't really have any answers uh, for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I remember they were playing their running back at corner against Jackson Smith and Jigba, something like that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. That, that That is just, like, a huge red flag if you want to think about competition um, in this game. But, yeah, still, like, the traits for Stroud were fully on display. Uh, the consistent throwing motion, the accuracy, all that stuff. Um, fantastic game from Stroud.
0: Yeah, and that concludes our 2021 season. PD, you want to jump right into 2022?
1: Yeah, let's go um, for the Notre Dame game in, in 2022. So... um after like a kind of up and down season for Stroud, you know, there was, um, a lot of expectation going into this game about how he would play. And, um, I thought he played pretty well. There were some moments here of like, oh wow, he's making some really impressive plays under pressure, but, um, yeah, just overall, there were, there were some moments of like Like, serious sluggishness. So his first drop back um, was a sack, which I thought was his fault, um, where he just kind of held the ball without throwing it to Marvin Harrison Jr., who was there for a big-time completion. Um, So, yeah, that that was unfortunate. Um, But then kind of started to turn it up uh, later in that first quarter. So he threw a great pass in a tight window uh, outside the numbers to Marvin Harrison Jr., Um, 35 yards down the field and he couldn't haul it in, but it was a pretty good pass uh, a little bit ahead of him, but I still think it was a, it was a pretty nice play. Um, Later in that, that game in the second quarter, he does have a dropped interception, which I thought was his fault where he just kind of tried to force the ball to Marvin Harrison jr. And it was a little behind him and allowed the defender to make a play. But from that point on, he missed only one throw and made a number of fantastic plays on the move. Um, I want to highlight a few of them here. Um, they came in the third quarter, where he has this one play um, where he throws into throws to Emeka um in a very tight window uh, down the right sideline, and he's pressured pretty early in this play, under two and a half seconds, and he still manages to create a sixteen yard gain out of that. Um, there's another one here that I want to highlight um, in the last his last play of the third quarter. Um, He's hit as he's making the throw, um, but hits uh, Xavier Johnson uh, 25 yards down the field for the touchdown. So big-time play there. Um, And then this last one um, in the fourth quarter with about 10 minutes left. um, Gets pressured somewhat early, interior pressure, um, and he just kind of rolls out to his left and um, makes a really nice pass here. Um, outside the numbers to the left to his running back, Mayan Williams, who made a great move to get open uh, on that scramble drill type of thing. So um, some evidence here that he had uh, a little bit of improvement under pressure, but um, that's not the only time we'll see that, and we'll get to that um, as we go through it as well.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, this matchup was definitely a highly anticipated early, early season matchup. I think Notre Dame was ranked, like, top five coming into this uh I don't think they stuck that way so maybe looking back it's not as impressive of a a win but definitely for the time this was huge for CJ Stroud or and Ohio State in general uh to me I, I wasn't moved by this game much like UPD but I think to me this was still a solid performance for him because uh he didn't look the best to me first half but I do think it was a lot of just you know working out the kinks and just, you know, working off the rest of the offseason, getting back into things. Uh, usually you don't have this type of a matchup this early on in the season. First game uh, really doesn't happen. And Stroud still came in and wasn't terrible, but wasn't his best. And I think second half, he really kind of came into his own. Uh, Was the CJ Stroud we saw not towards the end of last season when he was really going, but maybe like at the start, of his like kind of uptick in play last year so I still think it was a solid performance for him against a pretty good Notre Dame defense uh that season uh didn't really make any huge mistakes in my opinion so to me that was a solid start
1: yeah the, the one dropped interception does stick out to me but other than that only a couple of missed passes here and there um We'll move on to the Arkansas State game where the first player of the game, he has a dropped interception, uh, which was his fault. But after that, he he does take a two-year attack, which I thought it was his fault, and um, does miss one pass where he misses Mayan Williams on um, a quick screen pass. But uh, other than that, it was just absolutely lights out after that first dropped interception. And um, that dropped interception is the only thing holding it back from being pretty much an elite game. Um, his accuracy was pretty decent in this game. All um, right, not, not pretty decent. It was it was pretty average in this game. Um, only at forty eight percent, which is below his his normal mark. But um, I thought that uh, he looked pretty solid in terms of rhythm. Um, Arkansas State didn't get a huge amount of pressure on him. Only pressured him on six total snaps out of his twenty seven. So that's so that's going to lead to him having a pretty great game. Which, I mean, we know how good he is in structure. We've emphasized it multiple times already. So yeah, um solid game from Stroud, nothing spectacular in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a lot with the twenty twenty one season. I mean, it's Arkansas State. Uh he doesn't have a whole lot of room for I mean, he has a huge room for error here. And I guess he kinda exercised it early in that game with that drop pick, but after that he was pretty much lights out. Uh his he didn't he doesn't necessarily have as good of a receiver core on this team as he did in the last year because Chris Olave obviously went to the league same as uh shit I don't know why I forget his name off the top of my head Garrett Wilson yeah. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, both of them went to the league. So this team is – off. this receiver core is nowhere near as good as last year's. And I know JSM gets hurt at some point in this season and misses most of it. I don't know if it happens this early or a little bit later. But this team is definitely not nearly as good as Stroud's offense last year. But still miles ahead of Arkansas State. And we saw it in this one. He had a lot of time in the pocket. Uh, a lot of very open guys, and he did his thing. Uh, Yeah.
1: All right, let's move on to the Toledo game. Um, There are some, like, extremely impressive plays in this game. Um, He didn't play very much beyond the first half, but I was was borderline blown away by how good he was in the first half. So there's a string of a few tight window throws here that are, like, extremely impressive. So first he hits – this is um, in the first quarter, about halfway through. So first, he hits Marvin Harrison Jr. in a tight window. Um, that just leads to an eight-yard gain. But the next play, um, he hits Harrison 25 yards uh, down the field, outside the numbers, in a very tight window. And this one's at about six minutes left. Um, just a fantastic throw. Uh, layered it beautifully so Marvin Harrison could make a, make a play on the ball. Um, um, the next one, he... After missing a pass, he um, hits Smith and Jigba open for a 21-yard gain on this one. Um, and then after that, um, we have to wait a little bit for the next monster tight window throw because <laughs> at that point, um, Toledo's defense starts to fold a little bit. Um, we do have a throw here for uh, a touchdown towards the end of the first quarter, though, that I did want to point out, where he hits Fleming in the tight window. Um outside the numbers on the right sideline and um, yeah a very impressive throw for a touchdown there um, towards the end of the game he does have a dropped pick which is gonna hurt his single game grade in the points per play thing um, that I track but um, I was I was very impressed by what he showed this game and um, yeah this was this was probably one of his best games in structure for me like he he hit receivers open tight windows whatever it may be. Missed one pass um, and made one bad decision. That was that was basically the summary of his game.
0: Yeah, uh, from my end, very very similar thoughts. Uh, You can't really say much else because Stroud was absolutely incredible in this one. Uh, This is very similar to a lot of last year's games where he was just in, destroyed a team that clearly didn't really couldn't really hold. Ohio State to do much else. I mean, they scored 77 points in this one. And as PD mentioned, Stroud barely even played in that second half. Uh, There was a clear mismatch here. And nonetheless, Stroud still took advantage. He was incredibly, incredibly accurate in this one. Literally no mistakes, as PD mentioned. Very, very high counting numbers as well. Uh, He was pretty much flawless in this one. And showed once again that in structure, he is better than almost anybody else you can find out there. And this is just another example of that.
1: Yeah, um, agreed there. So let's move on to, oh boy, Wisconsin game. Um, yeah, so yeah, and before despite- you get
0: into Wisconsin, I do want to add that this may not have been PD's most fun viewing session, as he is a Wisconsin Badgers fan. So I'll yeah. let you get into how CJ Scott right. absolutely
1: dotted you guys up. All right. Thank you for mentioning that. So um, Stroud, I don't actually think played fantastic in this game, um, mainly because of the the one interception that he did throw, which I thought was pretty poor pass. But um, there were, there were uh, a few plays that uh, led to big chunks that I did want to highlight. So he hit uh, Cade Stover for a big-time 22-yard gain early in the game, and then Emeka Ubuka for a 33-yard gain early in the game. And These were open passes, but I think they were impressive because Stroud just hit the bullseye. Um, For the rest of the game, though, like, um, with the exception of this one pass where he hit Emeka Buka again, uh, wide open, there weren't really many plays of pushing the ball down the field, and that's where um, my kind of gripe with with this performance comes in, which is, like, he didn't didn't really have many uh, times where he pushed the ball down the field, and... um, yeah oh he did have one pass um around 20 yards down the field to Cade stover this one was in the second quarter um with about half of the quarter left um stover just dropped it um so that was a pretty impressive pass that doesn't show up in the box score to me but yeah i mean that that interception was pretty poor he kind of just threw it up there without realizing the coverage was there uh on marvin harrison outside the numbers so yeah i mean it wasn't even under pressure um oh and speaking of pressure um only five snaps under pressure this entire game out of 27. Um, So even with the fact that Wisconsin defense is supposed to be pretty vaunted, like he was still in in total control for pretty much the entire game, Uh, 63% perfect pass rate, which is pretty monstrous. So, I mean, nothing that the Wisconsin Badgers defense could really do. Um, But, yeah, I, I wasn't totally blown away by his game for the reasons that I outlined.
0: Yeah, this game definitely wasn't as impressive as a lot of the other games we've talked about where almost on a weekly basis he's putting on uh, some could say a clinic. Uh, In this one, he definitely did not do that, but I still was pretty impressed with this game. Uh, Part of it is a couple of things you mentioned. This Wisconsin defense this year, Uh, not only are they familiar with uh, Ohio State in general, but this, was good. this year's Wisconsin defense was pretty damn good, and C.J. Stroud was facing them uh, without guys like Wilson, Olave, and JSN like he was last year. Uh, his receivers are still very, very good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to complain about the lack of ta- wide receiver talent in Ohio State at any point. But it definitely wasn't as elite of a team as he's had in years past. And against defenses, which – Aren't no aren't slouch, he did seem to not highly struggle or even he definitely missed a a step, but it definitely wasn't something to a large degree, something that would bring concern to me. Uh I think a lot of those mistakes he's having in some of these games where it's just one terrible play and then rest of the game he's his normal self. I think that's something that which we'll talk about later in this episode for sure will will get worked out as he gets into the league uh, and something that I'm not highly concerned about. And as far as what I saw in that game, that was his only big mistake. And when you take that out of consideration, that one big interception, he was lights out once again in this one uh, with that into consideration, still an above average performance to me overall, maybe not for him, but in general, uh, still an impressive performance regardless. And uh, yeah,
1: yeah. All right, let's move on to the next game here, which is against Rutgers. And, um, again, like j- just like we talked about last year, um, Rutgers does not have the bodies to match up with Ohio State. So the numbers might look a little funny, but I did not think he played too well in this game. So he had a number of decent short completions. Um, I thought he did have this nice throw for 13 yards, uh, 13 yards past the line of scrimmage to Emeka Buka that led to a 27-yard gain. And he did have a really nice pass where – he hit uh Fleming, Julian Fleming, um early in the second quarter for a 36 yard touchdown. Um there was one drop pass um where he hit Emeka Buka wide open and he just kind of dropped it. It was a little bit behind him, but definitely a catch that he should have made. But again, there there was like this this pretty disastrous interception where he just threw it to Emeka Buka when he was just covered. And I, I don't I do really um know why he did that, but the ball was a little bit ahead of him like at Emek, Um and yeah, it led to an interception. And the rest of the game, he wasn't really pushing the ball down the field that much. So not a very impactful game for us, Stroud. And yeah, I thought he could have definitely played better in this one. Um, this is despite the fact that Rutgers did not generate much pressure in this game. Um, they just kind um, of... Oh, I mean, Ohio State, like, they didn't throw the ball that much, so th- that that's not going to give them a great chance to get a lot of pressure, but um, I still thought that Stroud could have played better in this game. Um, yeah, wasn't very impressed in general.
0: Yeah, to me, this was a little bit of a weird game for me to judge CJ Stroud because Ohio State ran the shit out of the ball in this one. Uh, Rutgers, as you said, clearly... Uh, does not match up to OSU at any point. And I feel like watching this game, OSU kind of just made it a point to get in and out of this game without losing too many bodies, without giving up too many of their, you know, useful plays and just getting out of this game. So it wasn't really put in Stroud's hands to win. And for that, I feel like he didn't really have his best game because if you look, you can look at this game and it sticks out like a sore thumb for sure. Uh, one of a couple of games that does that in this season. Uh, and when you see something like that, it does raise a little bit of concern against game against a team like Rutgers, against a defense like Rutgers, uh, to add. Stroud should not be having these tame performances, uh, but at the same time, Ohio. This is year two Stroud. Ohio State has already shown that it can blow out these teams with Stroud. And I guess this was another game where they kind of just didn't utilize Stroud too much. And to me, Stroud is kind of a rhythm quarterback. You'll see a a lot of these games that second half, he will kill a team. But first half, he didn't necessarily look as good. And a lot of these games, he'll come in making a mistake here and there. But once he gets his accuracy down, uh, it's tough to fuck with him. And in this one, I feel like he just never really got in tune. He never really got to that stride we see out of a guy like Stroud. Uh, and for that reason, he definitely underperformed. Uh, still not a game that highly concerns me, but definitely a game to add to his whole, uh, up and down agenda because one of the problems with Stroud is his inconsistency, and this is a game where we saw that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit of an up and down quarterback. Um, so let's talk about one of the ups. Um, if like my transition there, huh? Michigan State again. Yep. Um, Michigan State. Um, we can safely say that C.J. Stroud owes them. Um, because yes. again, this one he absolutely tore up the defense. Um a number of explosive plays and the interception that he threw, I didn't think was his fault. Um, So only one negative play. And that was a sack that he took. But I mean, they were just, they were just absolutely tearing up the Michigan state. So 69 yard touchdown here for Emeka Ibuka, Um, 51 yard touchdown, Um, 32 yard explosive play, like all uh, explosive play after explosive play. Um, Too many for me to go into, honestly, but, the three I do want to highlight, that 51-yard touchdown, like I mentioned. Um, Julian Fleming wide open, but perfect throw from CJ Stroud. Leaves him to massive yard yards after catch opportunity. Um, and then this third and eight um, with about nine minutes left in the second quarter. Absolute dime into a tight window um, that leads to a 32-yard gain from Marvin Harrison. Um, and yeah, other than that, it's mostly intermediate stuff that's picking up huge jack opportunities, but Stroud was pretty pretty impressive this game from an impact standpoint. Um, I think his accuracy was pretty solid at about 60% uh, perfect pass rate, um, and Michigan State didn't generate a huge amount of pressure um, on Stroud. So like we said a couple of times already, uh, we know what happens when Stroud isn't under pressure, only 23% pressure rate in this one. So, yeah, I mean, any, any other thoughts that you want to add?
0: Nah, not really, because really all I want to say is Stroud owns MSU, because that was back-to-back seasons where he basically put up a highlight tape against Michigan State, and this performance reminded me of like the game he had after I think it was the uh, Nebraska performance last year, where he clearly underperformed against a subpar talent team compared to Ohio State. And then he just comes out the next week and absolutely balls out. To me, that was the type of performance this was against MSU. And it, it's good to see out of Stroud, to see that gene where after a bad game, he's not going to let up necessarily double up. And that's definitely a good trait for him to have moving forward. Uh, And this is, again, another up we see from him because the offense was completely in structure. It wasn't moved away from what Ohio State wants to do. And when you have that going for you, Stroud is lights out. And we saw that once again.
1: All right, let's move on to the next game. So this one is, this one is a little bit of a controversial game. Um, Cause Stroud has a string of uh, fantastic throws here. This is the Iowa, Iowa game, by the way, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Um, Str- Stroud has a string in the third quarter where he throws four consecutive incredible passes. So, I'm just gonna go through them right now. the The first one is a tight window throw to Omeika Ibuka um, over the middle of the field. He just dots him up, layers it perfectly. Um, the next one is um, this one was a pretty crazy pass. So he's under pressure initially from the interior. He steps right and just layers the ball over, um, layers the ball over one defender, drops it in in front of another. Um, and makes sure that the corner behind Marvin Harrison can't make a play on the ball for an 18-yard gain. One of the most impressive 18-yard gains that you'll ever see, um, honestly. Um, And then he throws a fantastic pass um, down the left sideline for uh, the 13-yard touchdown to Emeka Buka. Um, Completely um, uh, fits it into a tight window here. Um, The corner is all over Emeka Buka, but um, Stroud's ball placement is so good that it doesn't matter. and then on the ensuing drive, um, the very next play, in fact, um, Stroud hits Julian Fleming in what is a kind of a tight window because the corner is kind of in pursuit. And or not the corner, the I think it's a safety, um, is in pursuit of Fleming. Um, and him diving for the ball doesn't end up mattering because uh, Stroud hits him in stride for a 79 yard touchdown. Um, but I do want to mention there are. A couple of turnover really plays in here that are kind of bad. So in early in the first quarter, um, he's pressured early on this play. Um, this is about 13 minutes left in, in the first quarter. Um, he's pressured pretty early in about two and a half seconds, but he pulls the ball down, um, and that leads to the defender hitting him square in the chest um, with the football, and the football comes out, and the defender returns it for a touchdown. I thought that was his fault. Um, I thought he could have done a better job kind of, Avoiding the pressure or uh, throwing the ball away would have been the best option in that situation. Um, An important note, because a quarterback with elite feel or awareness, um, I think, does throw the ball away in that situation. Um, And then first play of the third quarter, um, he has um, an interception here where he just uh, tries to hit Fleming and he's covered. And um, yeah, that, that leads to a pick. Um, I thought that was his fault, but it wasn't an atrocious play or anything. Um, Not enough to take away from that string of tight window throws that I mentioned. Um, And so I thought he had a pretty okay game, but not particularly impressive because he does have those two plays that uh, stuck out to me.
0: Okay, uh, for me, the Ohio State was a little, or the, sorry, the Iowa game was a little bit more impressive to me than it seems to be for you. I thought this was just another game where it was very similar to the Big Ten stretch he had last year against the unranked teams where he's kind of just come in and just absolutely obliterated them. I do agree that the interception was not the best decision, but overall, I thought he was relatively accurate in this one. Uh, He didn't really succumb to the pressure of Iowa, which I guess they didn't necessarily bring in a lot of heat compared to some of the better teams that we will talk about later in this. But to me, overall, he was still... Uh, this was still a very uh, above-average CJ Stroud performance. Definitely not his best-of-the-best best performance. But uh, nothing in this game really took away from Stroud for me. So, yeah, I guess we disagree a little bit
1: there. Um, Yeah, 62% accuracy or perfect pass rate. So... A strong game from Stroud in that department. And I do want to disagree that um, about the pressure. I think he was under a lot of pressure. 40% pressure rate, um, according to my oh, yeah. so. so there were a good amount uh, of dropbacks here uh, for me uh, where he was under pressure. But um, I don't think he played horrible. I just thought like it was a bit of a mixed bag where those two <laughs> plays stuck out to me as, as poor. And the string of elite throws was kind of enough to make up for it and make it like a passable game
0: okay fair enough and moving on from that to once again very much like last year the Penn State matchup is probably their biggest test of the year up to this point point. and once again I feel like Stroud came out and kind of showed up PSU a, a bit and much like last year's game his counting stats don't necessarily look as good as they were in some of the other games against uh, lesser opponents. But I think in this game, he really showed his tight window accuracy. This is probably one of his better games in that regard, uh, at least in my opinion. And I think one thing that impressed me in this game compared to a lot of the other ones that I've seen is this Penn State defense did get after him a bit. Uh, I think he was pressured quite a bit in this one more than in a lot of his other matchups, aside from maybe a team like Michigan or like later in the year, we'll see Georgia. uh, Teams were really pressuring this Ohio State team and this Penn State uh, team uh, front seven was the first team to really do it uh, to Ohio State this year. And I think Stroud responded well. I think to me, this was one of the better games he's ever had in terms of uh, responding to the blitz and still making uh, high level reads and still getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, I think he did a good job of that against a pretty good collegiate defense here. Uh, and this was another game that added to the really high draft stock of CJ Stroud that we see now.
1: Um, yeah. Um, all right, this Penn State game, like I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag for me. So there are a number of really impressive throws, but I do want to point out um, the few turnover replays, which were kind of disastrous to me so this first one uh in the second quarter he has uh, xavier johnson open but just kind of airmails him by a lot and um, that leads to an interceptable pass um, which was dropped but the next one that i that i want to mention which was pretty disastrous and it's up there with his with his worst plays like ever as a college player it's at the end of the second or at the end of the first half and Ohio State is in scoring position, um, second and goal from the eight-yard line, right? Um, And Stroud gets pressured pretty early, but instead of kind of just throwing the ball away and giving Ohio State a field goal opportunity, he not only takes a sack that would end the quarter, but he fumbles the ball as well, which would have put Penn State in a potential scoring opportunity if they were able to recover the ball. So um, I was pretty disappointed with that play. Um, There was also a play that I, I forgot to mention where... Um, uh, in the second quarter, where he just kind of threw to cover receiver, um, and Julian Fleming, and that that led to an interceptable pass. Um, I think the second half though was pretty monstrous, and um, was very impressed with how he played. But that first half was poor enough for me that I can't call it a good game.
0: Okay, I see where you're coming from. I guess to me, I've I kind of pre taken into the fact that. Stroud is going to be a rhythm type of player and his first halves you always have those types of plays but I do get where you're coming from from that those plays do generate a lot of or just negative plays in general and when you look at the game as a whole that does take away from what he does in the second half so I do get what you're saying and when we look at the next week this was probably one of his roughest performances of his collegiate career uh I'd say this was another similar game to the Rutgers game in the sense where Ohio State's plan was clearly to come in versus a very very poor opponent and just run the shit out of the ball and just <laughs> blow them out of the th- blow them out of the game and i think if he had a performance similar to Rutgers, i would have just taken it as that but he looked significantly worse in this one compared to Rutgers, in my opinion uh his completion percentage does look crazy in this one compared to his other games and i do think it's a little bit inflated cuz i think he did deal with a little bit of a dropping problem in this game compared to his other games this was also probably one of his worst uh help performances and when you're on a team like ohio state you're not often going to complain about help but i think in this one his receivers really were not getting open against a very very poor northwestern team i thought this ohio state team would just be able to torch every facet of a very, very, very bad Northwestern defense. And they really weren't uh, able to. This was kind of a off game across the board, not only for Stroud, but that whole Ohio State offense. Uh, I'm not really sure what happened here because it wasn't like he was particularly pressured in this one, but his accuracy was just off. His footwork was not really looking like it needed to. Uh, it was almost like it was a bad weather game, but I don't believe this game was in bad weather from what I remember watching this game. So, I, yeah, honestly, this game confused me very much on street at C.J. Stroud and raised a lot of questions because this isn't too far back in his collegiate history. Uh, it is a bit concerning.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll quell some of your concerns there um, because it was a weather game. Um and oh, it, was, it, was, it wasn't it was because of, like, snow or anything, but the wind was pretty rough, uh, apparently. It was up to 30 miles per hour wind. So um, that's going to make it really tough to throw. And from that standpoint, uh, I do think he, pl- he played a good game, um, considering the elements. Um, a number of drops in this game, um, or at least passes where the receiver could have made a play on the ball but didn't. Um, the one that I did want to highlight was this beautiful pass that he threw in a tight window in the third quarter with about nine minutes left to Mecca. Um just layers it beautifully outside the numbers uh, in a tight window to the right, but Ibuka just, just dropped it stone hand. Um, and then he made a, a, a few plays where he ran the ball really well. Um, a 16 yard gain as well as six yard gain uh, on the ground, but the big one uh, late in the fourth quarter to kind of put the game away. They're on um, the, Man, I, I don't know how to translate these numbers. Okay, they're on the 49-yard line uh, of Northwestern, and he has a 44-yard run that um, puts them uh, on the 5-yard line in scoring possession. So, um, yeah, a number of plays on the ground here that, that were pretty impressive. And I think it is um, I, I think it is a point to note that he does have requisite speed to run, but the things that I have questions about are his, his feel in the pocket and, like, his, his natural ability to sense defenders around him and um, his spatial awareness on, on plays uh, out of structure. That, that's really the question mark for me. Not really, like, his running, because his running was pretty impactful in this game. So, um, yeah, that's what I thought of the Northwestern game.
0: Okay, and that makes a lot of sense. I guess I didn't really look into this game. I didn't realize that the wind was so bad. I guess that's that's not something that necessarily comes up on the film, like rain, snow, you can visually see. Uh, I didn't know that about the wind, and that makes that game make a lot more sense. Uh, and then moving on from that matchup to a very, very much more common game for Ohio State and Stroud, where we see them, the Ohio State blowout IU, and Stroud comes in with... A uh, Solid performance, I would say here. His accuracy wasn't his best in this game. Uh, I think he still overall was hitting his receivers, but I think he's had games in which his ball placement was a little bit better. I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of yak in this game because Strad was kind of just hitting his guys, but not really leading them to more. Still, nonetheless, an accurate game in the sense that he didn't turn the ball over. To my knowledge, he didn't really have any turnover worthy plays in this game, Uh, but nothing like the pinpoint accuracy we've seen in some of his other, you know, more spectacular games.
1: Yeah, 42% perfect pass rate, which is well below his average, Um, under 20% pressure rate. Um, So, yeah pretty easy going for him he does have one turnover of the play that i want to mention where he tried to force the ball in a tight window to fleming um puts a little bit behind him and the defender couldn't make a play on the ball um so that's the one that i wanted to point out but other than that like a number of really good throws down the field um one to harrison where he's wide open 40 yards down the field takes it in for a 58 yard touchdown um there's another one uh where he hits fleming and he just kind of drops it um <laughs> pretty common thing with Julian Fleming here, where he just sells yeah. a, a lot of plays. But um, uh, he hits another one to Stover in a tight window, puts it on the money uh, outside the... or uh, pushing it in the middle of the field. Um, and then there's this other one, this last one that I wanted to highlight, which is uh, a tight window throw to Mecca Abuka, where he catch, finally catches the ball um, and takes it for a 32-yard gain um, in the third quarter. So... Um, Yeah, a number of great plays here, one to a really play. Um, Yeah, impressed with this game.
0: And moving on from that game to uh, one of the final regular season games and probably the last low-stakes game he has was against Maryland. And once again, Ohio State as a team rolled. And in this game, I felt very similar to his IU game. Uh, this IU and Maryland game, it seems like he almost, like, looked over a little bit, not only him, but Ohio State in general, because it wasn't necessarily the, their team's best performances. It wasn't necessarily Stroud's best performances, but they kind of just got the job done, and I maybe we're looking ahead to their next two games, and as we'll say from the results of the next two games, maybe they should have, you know, kept their foot on the gas, but that's how I almost felt watching this Maryland game to me because Ohio State was kind of just lackadaisical, not really going 100%. They're very, very comfortable with kind of just coming in, running the ball all, all day and just getting out of there. Uh, the receivers weren't getting a ton of separation for him. And in that regard, his accuracy was solid because I do think he had a good amount of tally window throws in this one. Uh, a couple of drops as well, I'd say. So his counting stats don't necessarily look as good as it was uh, in the film. But to me, this was another very, very solid performance from him, and just another game in his resume.
1: Yeah, um, I did have one drop by Mecha Buka here. Um, there, there's. Oh, I wanted to highlight this. This is this game has his best pass of his career, in my opinion, uh, from an accuracy standpoint. On the first play of the game, like Marvin Harrison is like totally blanketed and he just, like, he just finds a way somehow to, to put the ball in there. So um, I wanted to highlight that. Um, there's another play um, late in or later in the game uh, in the second half with about 10 minutes left where he hits a uh Egbuka in a tight window for a 35-yard gain. Um, but yeah, other than that, like he wasn't really pushing the ball down the field, and there was this one play where he took a sixteen-yard loss on an intentional grounding, which I thought was was pretty poor play. Um, and in general, wasn't super impactful. Um, ended up with him not having a great grade in this game, despite the fact that he had no turnover play. So, yeah, they're kind of just sleepwalking through this performance. I think you you, you kind of highlighted correctly.
0: Yeah, and. Moving on from that game to definitely his two biggest, most looked at games of his entire college career. And the first one came up against number three Michigan. And I remember from this past season, this was a very, very, very highly anticipated matchup. Because, like I said with last year's, Michigan Ohio State is always very, very highly anticipated. But when it's for a playoff spot, potentially uh, for the Big Ten Championship, the stakes are always much, much higher. And uh, I think this game kind of highlights what I had uh, as, I guess, a negative or just concern with CJ Stroud. Because to me, he came into this game and really only showed up for one half. I feel like his first half, we saw a lot of What you see out of regular C.J. Stroud where he came in playing very accurate, playing very, you know, himself, his type of football where he was just dinking and dunking, uh, just slicing uh, that Michigan defense as much as he could. Uh, And this Michigan defense didn't nearly pressure him as much as they did last year. But for some reason, that second half, he went really, really quiet. I think some of it had to do with Michigan's defense kind of being able to figure out how they were going to keep up with Ohio State's receivers. And as we mentioned this season, especially at this point in the year when the team was really banged up, uh, they didn't necessarily have their best slate of guys. Uh, Marvin Harrison and Ekbuka, I believe you pronounce his name, were still very, very good. But overall... Their play in that, uh, in that department of the team was not the best. And I think it was a combo of that and Stroud just not being able to fit balls and not even the most tight windows, but just like solidly tight windows. Uh, and maybe it's a result of maybe him not preparing for it all year. Because really the only time he would have faced even a similar sort of defense up to this point in the year was maybe Penn State and even they, I wouldn't argue, were anywhere near as good as how good this Michigan defense was. So I feel like this was really a punch in the mouth or a shock, whatever you want to call it, for Stroud. Uh, because as we'll talk about in the next game after PD goes o- over this one, uh, he completely switched to how <laughs> he approached uh, the Georgia game where it was a significantly better defense. I think Georgia's defense these past two years has been – as good as you can get for college football. You really can't face much better than that. Uh but this Michigan game was definitely a punch in the mouth and definitely a raise for concern cuz it really goes into his inconsistency problem and the problem of him not necessarily performing sometimes under pressure.
1: Um I I kind of had a different view of this game. I I was I was impressed enough by the first half to where uh the second half wasn't really like enough to dissuade me from thinking it was a good game. Um I do agree that the second half was kind of poor. Um the interception that he threw was kind of bad um and he didn't really push the ball down the field enough um in the second half. Um but the first half was just, like so good that I was just like, okay, he he played well enough for for them to win and they shouldn't have blown that lead. Um some of the some of the plays that the defense was making were, were borderline hilarious um in that game, but um, I want to highlight the the downfield shot down the right sideline to Marvin Harrison just dropped it in beautifully in a tight window. And, and he threw it early before Marvin Harrison even separated so that was kind of impressive to me. Um he has another one um in the it, earlier in the second quarter where uh he hit he fits the ball into a tight window again to Marvin Harrison for an 18-yard gain. Um and then another one uh, earlier in the in the first quarter um fits the ball into Marvin Harrison uh 20 yards down the field for a 19-yard gain. So uh, a number of great throws here for Stroud, um, even one dropped um, by Marvin Harrison uh, in a tight window, couldn't get, uh, couldn't pull the ball in. So, um, yeah, I was impressed enough by the first half to make it so that the second half wasn't horrible. Um, yeah, I don't know if yeah. you feel- I mean,
0: I, I agree with you, even with my analysis, that his first half was definitely very incredible. And I'm not going to be one of those people that blame him for the loss here. I think anybody who watched this game knew it was very, very clear that Ohio State's defensive struggles were the reason they lost this one. Uh, So I'm not going to bring in the whole CJ Stroud loses big games narrative because I also agree that it's a bit dumb. Uh, But I do see a concern with this game to where – You know, maybe he didn't necessarily uh, play so bad in that second half to where it takes away from what he did in the first half. But I do think the drop-off in play is something of concern because Stroud's biggest, uh, I think, gripe by any pro anyone who was doing like a scouting report or anything on him was his inconsistency, not only like throughout the season, but like within games too. And I think that Michigan game was a huge, huge highlight of the fact that his inconsistency can like bring issues in games like this. And it is maybe a little bit of concern uh, that some of these big games he's not showing up for. And I, I will say a lot of what I'm saying right now, he silences right away in this next UGA game. So I'll get yeah. right to talking about that. Uh, that UGA, UGA game, not only from a CJ Stroud perspective, but also just a viewer perspective was absolutely incredible. And I know you've got all the stats for that game. So I'll let you get into that one first, PD.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, this was this was like a monstrous game for, for Stroud. Um, so... He had a number of plays under pressure. Um, so out of the 44 that I, that I tracked for this game, 21 of them were under pressure. And he put up 0.67 points per play under pressure, which is like a ridiculous number. Um, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous, in fact that, like, it's about one and a half times his career average for all plays. So you, you can see just kind of how, how insane that is. But um, let's just go through, like, the biggest plays. So, he rolls out right um, in the first quarter, um, hits Marvin Harrison Jr. about thirty-five yards down the field for a thirty-one-yard touchdown in the end zone. It's um, another play um, where he he goes outside the numbers again, um, evading an interior pressure, uh, hits Julian Fleming for a thirteen-yard gain. Has another one um, for another touchdown. This one again to Harrison, where he makes multiple defenders miss in the pocket, uh, sprints right. Um, and hits Marvin here. I've like never seen him evade that many pressures in one play. Probably his best play from a mobility standpoint of his career. Um, he has another one where he hits Julian Fleming for a twenty-five yard gain um, after evading pressure. Um, but there are a couple of plays here. Oh, uh, one more that I wanted to mention: where um, on the final drive he has a massive scramble for twenty-seven yards. So a huge play there. Um, but there, Oh, and, and another scramble for 17 yards here. But there are a few plays here that still have me concerned. So he he took a sack um, in the fourth quarter uh, for a loss of 12 yards that I thought was his fault. Just kind of didn't see the pressure. Um, it came early, but I, I thought it was his responsibility. I think the O-line slid the correct direction, and he should have seen that one coming. Um, had another one um, where he took a four-yard sack that I thought was his fault. And one early in the game um, where he took um, a 10-year attack that I thought was his fault. Again, just kind of not seeing the scheme that the Georgia defense was uh, was creating. But insane game from Stroud under pressure. Um, But I, I do think that, like, the narrative from this game. So let's just kind of, like, tie in our, our next bit. So um, mm-hmm. you, we, we're going to start kind of wrapping up and, and giving up our key points Um. So this game of Stroud kind of influenced um, the way people perceive him a lot. Um, Yeah, for sure. And um, I think uh, now would be a good time for you to read the scouting report. So uh, can you go through what you have pulled up there and we'll kind of discuss uh, the points that we have.
0: Yeah, and uh, this is a scouting report from NFL.com. None of this is my work. And this is kind of just... Uh, a brief, it, this isn't the whole scouting report because they do have a lot of numbers from the combine or whatever. Uh, but I kind of just jotted down the, what they had as an overview and then his strengths and weaknesses. So I'll quickly go through that. But as an overview, they said that CJ Stroud's a two year starter from a program with a high octane offense known for creating high level production opportunities for its quarterbacks. Uh, Stroud's accuracy stands out, stands out on tape. He's able to lead receivers with good placement and make on-frame throws to targets on all areas of the field. Uh, The question now is how quickly he will acclimate outside of the Ohio State scheme. Uh, he didn't often attack defenses with his legs, but if he can become a more willing runner, he'll be able to extend drives rather than feeling forced into more challenging decision-making situations. Uh, NFL teams will have to balance what they saw on tape from Stroud during the 2022 regular season against his great college football semifinal performance when he shined uh, versus Georgia's impressive collection of pro prospects. If he did if he did it once, he can do it again, and grading the flashes for Stroud might make the most sense. Uh, and as far as his strengths, they say he doesn't hesitate to attack with his throws, has the arm strength to air, it out, air out the deep ball towards the sideline with the accuracy. Uh, obviously, that great game against Georgia, showing willingness to extend and make plays outside the pocket against Georgia, finds his way to, back to platform throws when forced to move his feet. Uh, tape shows ability to get through progressions, enough arm talent to pump, reset, and then release. And as far as weaknesses, they say he's hesitant to use his legs, but can put, which can put a cap on his success rate. Uh, he labors to get squared to target when rolling out. Uh, he needs a clearer scan for potential pressure points near the line of scrimmage. Uh, needs to play with better recognition and respect for safeties. Uh, inconsistent in ac- activating lower body torque and interceptions arise when he refuses to come off his primary receiver. And that's right. kind of overall what they had on uh, CJ Stroud. Thoughts on that, PD?
1: Yeah, the, the lower body torque one was was kind of weird to me. I thought, I feel like his footwork is one of the best parts of his game. But I'm going to yeah. go through what I have in in my quote unquote scouting report, where I just kind of look through a few key stats uh, for him. So, on average, his dropback depth is about 7.2. That's kind of a signal that he can play in an under center offense. And there's a lot of evidence for that. Um, He forced 19 missed tackles, which is a pretty low number. It's less than one per game for him. Um, That that does signal some other stuff that we'll talk about real quick. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Above 2.9 time to make a decision. So the Ohio State O-line was giving him a lot of time. Um, 2.77 time time for his pressured, which, again, the O-line was giving him a lot of time. A pretty impressive number, actually, here. 131 evaded pressures over the course of about 25 games. That's, that's a good number, uh, like about five per game. And he's doing that mostly by stepping up in the pocket and stuff. Um, and only 47 of those pressures were his fault. Um, 36 early pocket bills over the course of his entire career. So that's a pretty good number. So he does like to stick in the pocket for the most part. Um, but only six broken sacks and 19 sacks responsible for. Um, that 19 sacks responsible for is not a huge number, but I think it could be improved uh, relative to how good the O-line is. Um, the biggest stat that I wanted to highlight was the change from play under pressure to not under pressure. So he goes from a 0.45 points per play in my in my uh, metric to 0.23 under pressure. So his production is getting cut in half. And if you want to look at something um, more basic, he goes from ten point three yards per attempt under or under no pressure to five point two yards per play on, under pressure, which is which is kind of jarring. Um, to say the least. So, I mean, we kind of have to look at that um holistically and say, like, there there is clearly um an issue here. Um, no matter how much we want to say that the the Georgia game may have shown flashes of of fixing it, there are still there's still so much sample here uh of poor play under pressure that that we we just can't ignore it.
0: Yeah. And one thing maybe might be a little bit tangent to your point, but a weakness that was brought up by the NFL.com thing, and I kind of want to mention overall, because I saw this a lot in his tape, and I kind of wanted to address it. I feel like Stroud, uh, he is obviously not the most athletic quarterback in the world, but I feel like I see a lot of quarterbacks with Stroud's level athleticism being a lot more willing to do what they can uh, to use that athleticism. And I didn't necessarily see that with Stroud. And I don't know if it's an effort thing, a hard thing, or maybe he's unconfident in it, but he's definitely mobile. He's not someone that you would consider unathletic, but he refuses to run. He absolutely refuses to do things, uh, a scramble, And a lot of the time, I'll see situations where it's probably better lended towards him getting out of the pocket, making an out-of-structure play, but he will just stay in the pocket and try to, force something in the structure to happen and I really don't understand what this unwillingness to run in general is from him because it would absolutely open his game up so much I mean we saw in that Georgia game we saw flashes of how much he can do when he is on the move when he is uh making when he's playmaking I guess in essence and maybe it was him just, you know, lollygagging throughout the season and coming out to really play against Georgia because he knew, I mean, that's a playoff game, enough said there. But moreover, it's obviously a lot of eyes on him. And maybe he had kind of proven himself in 2021 and coasted through a lot of this 2022 season because numbers-wise, that 2021 season was looked a lot better. Uh, and even a lot of his most impressive games came in that season. So maybe he did hold back a little bit, but I don't understand why I saw a lot of that lack of maybe effort or lack of willingness to run. And I think it's holding his game back a lot. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, uh, are and how that will translate into the NFL because we did see he's capable of being able to do more. Uh, but I don't know if he will based off what we've seen. So well, yeah. what do you have to
1: say about that? PD? Yeah, so I'm going to address that and just kind of go through each as- each critical aspect of his game um, that I think can be separated into into different kind of traits. So I'm going to start with two things that you mentioned there, um, which are his movement and his feel. And feel is like, uh, some people like to call it the it factor or whatever it is, but generally I want to define it as the ability to adapt situationally to what the defense is throwing at you Um and to your offensive skill makers, decisions, plays, etc. Right. So, just general like adaptability is kind of what I'm looking at. Right. Um, the ability to change the way you play um, in different situations. Um. So, I guess the way I want to look at it is like um, his actual movement skills. I don't think uh, are poor at all, um, but. His his actual feel for you know changing the way he plays is is a little bit poor, um, and that's that's kind of a, a big time red flag to me because that's one of the most important traits that I'm looking for, um, and, and so like um, when I when I kind of project quarterbacks to the next level, right? I'm I'm looking for three main broad categories: um, their their raw athleticism, um, their feel. Uh, in general in, in all areas and they're polished um, and Stroud is incredibly polished Um, I'll, I'll go into the next category as well uh, to kind of make my point he's extremely accurate at about 56 percent perfect pass rate which is a pretty monstrous number for a college quarterback and it indicates that when he steps on the field he will be extremely accurate and probably positive relative to the league as a rookie which is which is very impressive Um, additionally his footwork is is extremely good in my opinion he does a good job getting himself lined up to the target um and does follow through nicely with his footwork um on the on his throws he does have a little bit of a habit of kind of backpedaling when when he throws some of these passes um but i think that's something that can be cleaned up and it's it it's some some of it is a bit of a field issue but um i do think there's there's ways to to correct that uh coaching wise where some of the, these other areas that we've mentioned are less, less correctable. Um, so that, so coming back to my point, generally, he is very polished, but I, I kind of have some questions about the feel aspect. Like I've said uh, recently right here. Um, and, and the athleticism isn't, doesn't really pop off the page. Um, as for his uh, arm strength and, and I'm going to kind of go into some more athletic tools, I, I would guess. So, uh, in terms of quarterback athleticism, right? His, his arm strength is good, but I would not say it's great. I would say um, early in his career, uh, his first couple of years, he'll be something like a top 12-ish type of guy in terms of arm strength. But I think he's mm-hmm. it's not unreasonable to expect him to be at like 16th in, in arm strength. Um, and then in terms of pocket toughness, this is the area that I was kind of highlighting where he has moments where he's, he's just kind of backpedaling in the pocket for no reason. So that, that area is a little bit inconsistent to me rather than good, but I think it's certainly an area that could be a positive. And then these last couple of areas, um, first thing is his throwing motion. That's definitely a polished thing, and I think his throwing motion is already excellent. So uh, very good stuff there. Um, it'll allow him to uh, add to his accuracy at the next level. Um, and then this last one, which is decision-making, um, where I, I'm kind of referring to the ability to execute the call and understand defenses um this is like the ultimate film guy film guy type of thing that uh, they assess all the time so um from that standpoint i think he's pretty good there are moments where he just he kind of forces the ball um doesn't throw um to the right place but um there's definitely a path here for him to get to a positive in terms of decision making um and then the last thing that I want to talk about is timing and anticipation. There are flashes of fantastic anticipation. Um, there's this throw in the Rose Bowl where uh, to Marvin Harrison Jr. in the back of the end zone where um, it's kind of uh, like um, post corner post. I think it's called a Dino play. And he throws it like like a full two seconds before Marvin Harrison Jr. even, even turns his back. So there are flashes like that um, first drought, but also flashes where he's like very late and just kind of doesn't, doesn't really get the ball to his target in time. Um, so a combination of those traits, um, breaking it down into the three categories that I mentioned earlier, he has, he has requisite athleticism, but not high-quality athleticism. And he has questionable feel, in my opinion, um, where I'm not sure how much that can improve, but it's, it's looked like there are flashes of, of better play down the stretch, um and he's still a young player so there is a little bit of hope there and then the last category of course the polish is is, is out of this world good it's it's still a point where like by year two or three i think he could be one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the nfl with some of the best footwork and you know he could be a very good decision maker as well so um yeah add on to that and kind of summarize what you have as well
0: yeah And to me, on CJ Stroud in general, I think I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic on him uh, than you are for a couple of reasons. I agree with most of what you're saying about him as a player. I think his athleticism obviously is not something that jumps off the paper like something you'll see out of, I mean, some of the other quarterbacks in this class. Richardson and Levis are, I guess, the prime examples of that where they have all the athletic tools in the world Stroud definitely isn't in that and more importantly I feel like he doesn't have any particular athletic trait that like is incredible whether it's his mobility or arm strength or like anything in general athletically or even size for that matter he isn't like ultra gifted in any of those regions and if you tie into what I said earlier about his unwillingness to even use the little athleticism he has I think that overall is very limiting on him. But as you mentioned, accuracy-wise, he's already coming into the league as one of the be- more more accurate quarterbacks in the league, and that's something he'll only polish even more and more. Uh, but I think where we dis- differ is like his feel for the game. I think a lot of his lack of feel for the game came down to either him just being a little bit lackadaisical in college and not necessarily taking every play 100%, or just him maybe not polishing that part of his game as much as he should have in college. But I do think it's something that he can pretty easily and quickly cut out of his game by year two, year three in college, because I feel like we see a lot of quarterbacks come into the league uh where they are a little bit mistake prone mistake heavy because they could get away with certain things in college uh that you can in the pros like quarterbacks like even Trevor Lawrence we saw in recent years coming at what number one uh hopes and being one of the better prospects we've seen in recent years comes in and throws a lot of picks early on and struggles with that and quickly adjusts and i think the type of type of progression cj stroud will have is very similar to that uh i think his situation in college reminds me a lot of what uh a lot of people said about justin herbert coming out of college because i feel like a guy like justin herbert had the tools of an nfl quarterback and cj stroud has it as well herbert definitely more in a lot of regards because he does have like very, very high level size and very, very high level arm talent, which Stroud does not have. But I feel like those two quarterbacks uh, kind of uh, they are similar in the sense that they were both in high level offenses and high level uh, programs in college and they ran that very well. But for that reason, a lot of people are taking away from what they did in college and how good they looked on tape in college. Because they did have uh, a very, very good offense, very good coaching, a lot of talent around them. Uh, and in that regard, a lot of people coming into the draft were taking away from Herbert or taking away from Stroud now uh, because of that. But I think much like Herbert, Stroud, uh, he'll come into the league and work out a lot of those kinks he was having, a lot of those like little uh, stupid mistakes he was making. I think that's something we'll see early in his career, but I think will quickly fizzle out. For Herbert, it fizzled out a lot faster than you see with most quarterbacks. I mean, Herbert came in and had one of the best starts to a career uh, a quarterback can ever have. And I don't think Stroud will do that. I think Stroud is not in the situation for that. I think you need to be in a chargers or a good roster around you like Herbert had or like other quarterbacks who we come and take the league by storm have. Stroud, which it seems to now be he's going to be going to Carolina, he's not going to have the talent that uh, a lot of these other quarterbacks have. But I do think by like year three or four or maybe even sooner, maybe year two, we're going to see a Pro Bowl level talent because I do believe in the highs of Stroud because you see the highs of guys like Anthony Richardson and, and Will Levis and you say, oh, two years down the line, they can master what we've seen here. But with guys like that, you see those flashes in, like, one play or, like, couple plays here and there, and people are willing to spend a top-five pick on them. But when I see Stroud, I see those same flashes. And uh, it's not necessarily the same flashes you see out <clears throat> in Anthony Richardson because Stroud's flashes are not uh, him just making an incredible playmaking type of play. It's him being able to just consistently dot a team up like we saw for example, in I don't know like the Toledo game, or in 2021, uh, I believe it was the Purdue game, or the Michigan State game, or Michigan State game. Either, either, either year, I I see all of those games as flashes where I think he can hone in on that uh, those games and really be able to do that consistently. I think that Georgia game kind of has lifted expectations for him and is making it a bit unrealistic cuz he was absolutely incredible as a playmaker and very very good outside of the pocket in that one and that's something he kind of needed to do cuz he was always under pressure and that UGA defense was really really good uh so I don't I still don't think that's something that I'm going to expect out of him I definitely expect more of what I saw in those like Michigan State games or that Purdue game uh i that's definitely what i expect more out of him going into the nfl uh but i do think those like kinks that he's got uh where he's got those little inconsistencies or him uh having that like turnover worthy play early in the game and then later getting into rhythm i think once he's with nfl coaching once he's uh honing into his game a lot more i think he'll be able to kind of smoothed that out. And I really do think oh, CJ Stroud is going to have a pro bowl level career.
1: Yeah. I actually ended up at a similar spot that you did. Um, so l- let's, let's get into like yeah. the actual numbers and then I'll, I'll wrap up my final point. Um, so mm-hmm. I think his, his, his worst possible outcome, we'll call it a basement level outcome. He will still be a backup cor- level quarterback. Cause I think he's a little too accurate to too fluid mechanically. Um, for him to like never work, even if is his field is. this for gets... year one? No, this is just for his whole career. Like the worst possible, like the zeroth percentile outcome. I think he was well, the worst be a backup possible backup. outcome is bad. Okay, okay, gotcha. you. Yeah, um, he he'll still be a backup in the league because even if his field gets worse, even if he suffers some sort of injury and you know his his mobility gets even worse, that that natural accuracy and, and the the footwork will still carry him to backup level value in my opinion. Um, and then like a reasonable floor outcome. I think is a slightly below average quarterback, kind of something like, like the level that we see from, um, maybe what Kenny Pickett is playing at right now, um, just kind of, um, not hugely lifting, but uh, still a decent player that can stick around as like a bridge guy. Um, my my average outcome for him was was quite high actually. Um, it was it was as a Pro Bowler because I do think that it's pretty likely that, um, he provides a huge amount of value, um, in the right situation. Um, and then my, my, uh, higher end outcome, my realistic ceiling for him was around QB five, QB six. Um, so like a stronger pro bowler, whereas my, my, uh, average outcome was like QB eight, QB nine type of thing. Um, and then my highest level outcome is like where he somehow manages to fix the feel and really hones in on the accuracy. Um, and is, and is incredible at, avoiding sacks and all that stuff that he showed. Um, and he just kind of becomes like a QB2, QB3 type of player. Um, and kind of like wrapping up um, and then letting you talk for one more second, I think that the things mm-hmm. that you mentioned are are important, right? He can improve at at those areas. He's still a young player. But for me, yeah, absolutely. improving in, in in the feel category is something that's pretty rare. Um, I, I don't think that you're kind of blessed with this kind of ability to sense defenders around you and stuff like that. And, you know, we'll talk about a quarterback in a couple of weeks that kind of has that ability, but you, uh, I don't think that some of those traits can be taught. Like you can't just continually replicate situations um, which are new to to the quarterback's brain, right? Like if, if a guy, if like three offensive linemen lose in, in the same play and you're being pressured from three sides, like, the ability to react to continually uh, different new situations—I don't think it's something that can be taught because it's different every play. Like th- th- that kind of trait is is not something that's rec- replicable play to play. It's the most moldable thing, and that's why it's the most unquantifiable thing. Um, and so that's that's what kind of led me to be a little bit lower on on Stroud's um, ceiling. I do think on his rookie deal that Stroud will provide an immense amount of value for a team that can have uh, like either a really strong run game so that his play action opportunities are immense or a team with really strong receivers um, where he can continually hit open guys for uh, passes or, or a, a scheme even that um, allows for him to kind of get in rhythm and dump guys deep down the field. That, that Those are kind of the outcomes that I see. But I don't know if beyond his rookie contract where there's a large amount of situations that he would go through um, that he will be like an MVP-level player um, unless something goes massively right for him.
0: Okay, I, I see what you're saying more with CJ Stroud or, and where you're coming from a little bit. And I 100% agree that feel is something that you can't teach. There's just certain traits in general that you can't teach a player or a quarterback in that regard to do and feel is definitely the biggest example of that so I would agree with that the part where I disagree is CJ's lack of feel Uh, I don't think he necessarily has bad feel and to me the reasons why I think that are because of the games where he's come out and he is absolutely flawless and I know that UGA game like you you don't want to stick to that and harp on it too much but i feel like that game really changed a lot of people's perspective cuz that is like on the biggest stage he showed that he does have a feel for a ga- the game cuz like i said that was the first time in his probably college history aside from maybe the michigan games where he was the he was on the team with clearly less talent especially in this one because UGA has a historic level defense and that Ohio State offense was extremely banged up. So something, the things that they had been doing all season and his whole career for that regard really were not working that game. And I think that's why uh, they got up so early is because they came with with a game plan and CJ Stroud executed it very, very well. And it wasn't necessarily something that you can plan for a lot of those touchdowns he was scoring was him breaking out of the pocket, finding people open, or just like in general, just making a play. And just in general, when the play was breaking down, he was the guy that was just making the right football play to just give them the best chance to continue winning uh, when they didn't necessarily have the best talent around them. And I think CJ Stroud's feel maybe may not look as good as it does on uh, it did in that game, in any other game he really played to throughout his career, because he really wasn't challenged to that extent. Uh, a lot of those games that I was talking about throughout the season, he kind of just looked lackadaisical and he wasn't putting his all into it. And you could probably bring out character concerns or just effort concerns in general with that. But I don't think it's just representative of his feel. And it's not something you can prove right now, obviously. I can't... Me saying that he just didn't put his all into it doesn't really mean anything at the moment. But I do think when you put him in an NFL setting, it's going to bring out that high-level feel we saw out of him in that UGA game. Because like you said, feel is something that just can't be taught. And I don't think what he did in that UGA game was possible If he wasn't just an elite football player and able to just make plays on the fly. Cause I'll be honest, that game was probably the best quarterback performance I've seen out of any quarterback in this year's draft class. I would say Caleb Williams probably had some better years in general, uh, get better games in last year's college season in general. But I think that was the best game by far out of any of the prospects. And I think that has to do with feel and, this is obviously something that you could be wrong on. I, I could be wrong on, but I think that's why not only for me, but for a lot of people that UGA game shaped opinions.
1: Yeah. Um. So we, we do end up at similar conclusions. I guess my one gripe yeah. with that is like, there's there's other games where they've scaled up the amount of pressure on him and it doesn't look mm-hmm. as good, right? There's I can point to like three, four games maybe other than that UGA game. And there's maybe only right. one or two times where it looks so it's it's kind of on or off. And that inconsistency could be a positive thing eventually or a negative thing. But for me, like the the stickiness of that is just like I, I want to lean negative as a default. But in general we kind of arrived arrived at the same conclusion. Um we think yeah. that on, on average for an average outcome for CJ Stroud would be uh, kind of like a low-end pro bowler. And we do think that mm-hmm. him in a high-end offense, they do have a chance to be like a super elite t- type of type of offense. Yeah. And um, do you think that CJ Stroud could be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback on his on his rookie deal? Like um, a rookie cor- yeah, contract and QB? Yeah, before I talk yeah.
0: about that, I'll kind of go over my like highs and lows for him because I never really did that. But mm-hmm. I think his for me, he's a very, very high floor, not necessarily as high ceiling type of guy. Because, like I did mention, his athleticism and, like, lack of size in general is going to hold him back. And he, in this prototype of quarterback that he is, where he's kind of like a Jared Goff court prototype, you could say, I feel like he's still not maximizing his abilities in that. So I definitely think for that reason he doesn't have the craziest ceiling. Uh, but you did say his worst case outcome is, like, a backup I think his absolute lowest floor is like a bottom below average starter in the NFL. I don't see a world where he comes in and is not a starting level quarterback by the end of his rookie deal. And I think he'll start off as like a a bottom level starter this season and just go up from there. Uh and as far as his average outcome, I think we could both agree And him being a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, I think I'd say more like mid to high level Pro Bowler and you might say low level Pro Bowler. And as far as his peak, uh, long story short, I do think he can be a Super Bowl level quarterback. Uh, I'd I'd be highly surprised if it happened early in his rookie deal. I do think there's still a lot of improvement he needs to uh, have. I don't think he'll develop into a Pro Bowl, a, a Super Bowl level quarterback as fast as like a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes, or even a Justin Herbert. If you want to go there, uh, I don't think his progression looks that fast. Uh, but I do think in like three four years we could see C J Stroud as being, uh, a top five quarterback. Or uh maybe maybe even uh top ten is more realistic because we do have a yeah. lot of elite quarterbacks in the league right now. Yeah. But if CJ Stroud led a team to a Super Bowl, I would not be surprised whatsoever.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I ended up. I think that the best way to build around him was is to stack the offense, slant your team offensively, kind of spend less resources on the defense, and that's that's always good. Like you want to build through your offense. That's yeah. the most stable part of of your team. Um. And yeah, like I. I I do, I do like him as a prospect. Um, and I mean, yeah, 100%, yeah, a and I, yeah. I do
0: wish he got into a better situation because right now it's basically guaranteed. He's going to be either a Panther or a Texan and what you're describing right now and just surrounding him with offense. We won't see for at least two seasons in either of those situations, but had Stroud landed in a situation like, for example, the Detroit lions, I think he could have been a incredible incredible quarterback from day 1. And the reason I'm kind of hampering my expectations is because I know what kind of situation he's going to be going into. Uh but yeah, regardless, I do think he'll still end up being solid.
1: Panthers Panthers got a really strong offensive line, so I think they could have some play action stuff going pretty early and they yeah. have like they have mediocre weapons for sure, but um I, I, do I do
0: think they've currently built their offensive roster to suit Stroud well yeah because it that's does correct. seem like that's what they want and they do have uh if if they can stay healthy an offensive line that can be top 10 throughout this season and if you can give Stroud time like we said throughout the time we were talking about his film in structure it's like he's he's amazing uh so yeah they definitely do have the line for it uh they do need like 2 3 playmakers to surround him to really really optimize CJ Stroud like if they were to build like a offense like you, saw, you see with the 49ers i think he could be like incredibly successful in that type of offense and i hope the panthers can build that for him uh but as of right now we we just don't know what that what that'll be be
1: Yeah, I actually like his ability a lot to fit in a bunch of different types of offenses. He can play from under center and in gun, and he's good at um, playing just the basic dropback game. So there's a lot of good traits here. Um, Yeah, that's all my thoughts. I don't have any more thoughts. I've talked a lot today.
0: Yeah, um, I'm pretty much done at this point as well. Uh, I think we've gotten this covered.
1: All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Make sure to like... Leave a rating, do what you have to do on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, That'll be all from me. That's all from Potty. We'll get we'll see you guys next week with another episode of the Draft Breakdown.